Jr. as he cuts around Smith. He's going to shoot. It's off the bar. Fernandez scores on the rebound. Rudy has got that front part. He's got a wide open net to tie the game. Arrow taken off the ball. Wasn't a foul, though. Fernandez back for Valeri. It'll go wide to Sebastian Blanco. Blanco's early cross. Fernandez oh. got there again underneath Fry. Yeah, I was just going to say, he might just choose to end, end the game. Yeah. The Timbers have won it. There are two different areas of players being held apart right now. Timbers. I'm Jason. <laughs> and I'm Gary. We're the uh, Portland Timbers. We talk a little bit about soccer and beer and pretty much, what, pretty much whatever else we want. <sighs> What's going on, dude? Yeah, I'm about to have a malfunction. Why? My mic likes to drop in on me, literally. That's dropping in on you. Is that what that sound was? Yep. That's oh. what it was. Me adjusting. Ah, there it is. Well, we just watched the uh, Portland Timbers uh, dethrone the Seattle Sounders. Got the fish. Sent them, uh, well, I guess they're already home, but sent them back <laughs> to their real homes. A little fight action at the end. That was crazy. Roman Torres challenging, what, uh, Steve Clark to go back to the tunnel? Well, that, and I think Steve Clark was getting into it with uh, Fry as well. So I don't I don't know exactly if it was Torres coming to Fry's defense or if it was just an all-out goalie brawl. It looked like it was earlier Torres and him were going at it again. Yeah. And then it broke up because that's what cleared the benches. Right. And then Fry and Clark went at it. <laughs> and then Torres came back over and said, you know what? You want more of me? So, yeah, interesting stuff. So, Bunch but, of punk bitches. I love the antagonism that Steve Clark provides. Just Isn't that, that great? Edge. Yeah, that's fantastic. Especially for that rivalry. Yeah, especially in that that rivalry. It's perfect. So interesting game. Fernandez nets two goals. Uh, Rui Diaz gets one. So the two characters you expect to score do, uh, do score. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and we didn't get seem to get a lot of fouls, man, which Gio was going to have a stroke on the side. I thought for sure he was going to stroke out. Yeah, he uh, was fired up. But uh, you know what? Everything a rivalry is supposed to be. Yeah. And it just marks that August one we got coming up. It's going to be freaking phenomenal. <laughs> or That's going to be nuts. They're going to bring in a really conservative ref that's not going to let it be anything. It's just going to be a red card wedding. Oh, I can handle that. Because red card weddings are fun, too. Not if we're on the receiving end. Yeah, well, I guarantee if we're getting red cards, they are too. Yeah, hopefully. Almost guaranteed. Didn't seem to happen tonight. Got well, like no. three or four yellows for one set at ref bastard. Minor things that we did, and Seattle was blowing our guys up, and they got nothing. No calls. So, oh well, is what it is. So, any other thoughts from that game? Are we going to win the championship now? No. <laughs> are we going to make the playoffs now? Yeah, probably not. Yeah, uh, our, we don't play consistently enough, I think, to make the playoffs. Yeah. Well, we Especially just, under the new format. We just beat a big, strong Seattle team that hasn't lost yet this year at home. Well, how many teams have we done that to? Right. I mean, we, we've beat some really, really big, strong teams at home. but Then we come home and lose. We're still below <laughs> the red line by a long shot. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this thing shapes up. I'm still not confident in the back line. A lot of boneheaded shit going on in the back oh, line. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Definitely. So, I don't know. You know, I'm not a Timbers hater by any stretch, but... No, we we're don't. We're just playing crappy. We just don't look great. And uh, Char's doing boneheaded stuff in the middle, and... Yeah, I don't think... I, if I was a ref, I would not have called him for that. Uh, with with well, the way the rest of the game was being called, there's no way that's a call. Well, I wouldn't give him a yellow card. No, I probably would have no. given. I would have given the free kick. There's no way that would have been a card. Right. I would have given the kick just because it was late and he did play the man. He was nowhere near the ball. <laughs> but I mean, a yellow. I mean, that's kind of BS. That was complete BS. I think he let the game get get out of control at the end, and he was trying to reel it in. And well, yeah, but that's Char his. The guy. That's his problem. Yeah. Well, don't put that on the players. Now Char's problem. He misses the LA. No, game. exactly. And we kind of need him there. And uh, Ebra's coming up, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what goes on with Ibra. Is he going to play on the turf? Is he not going to play on the turf? I guess a putz. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's got some skill, but he's a putz. He's a putz. He's challenging assistant coaches, dude. Yeah, I know. Go home, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll see what he does, because I think Mamo will take him on if that's the case. <laughs> Mamo's going to come off the bench. She will take him yeah. on. It's like, come here, little man. So, yeah, Ibra... <laughs> We'll see how you do here. So if you pl- if you have the balls to play on the turf, so we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But he's, I mean, a, he's kind of a girly man. He backed it up three goals after they he definitely backed said he's it up. The best player. So. They were down, and he brought them back and won the game for them. Yep, single-handedly. Well, I will be in Europe, so you'll have to uh, catch me up on that game and how it went. Definitely, so, definitely. Um, you know who you're going to bring to the game yet? I have no idea yet. You gotta get Sean Barry to go. Yeah, maybe. Sean Barry, dude, tapped a into the abyss. We saw you, Sean. Tapped it into the abyss. Well, so donate him your tickets. No, we already sold them. They were gone in like thirty minutes once we posted them. Hmm. So into the abyss. Uh, we saw you crack that open for the Seattle game there, Sean. So hopefully uh, you enjoyed it and. We'll see. That is a state fair entry, so we'll have to see how that goes. Hopefully they don't nitpick me like you got nitpicked. Oh, I got obliterated. And the <laughs> funny thing is I went back and looked at the review sheets. Yeah. And the guys don't even have qualifications, like none. <laughs> I mean, they, they don't They don't even – there's like check boxes for like Solomier, all the other, you know, fun stuff, right? These guys didn't have anything checked, like – even like beer tasting classes or any of that other stuff. So really, yeah. So I've got to take it with a grain of salt. I mean, classic Timbers Army. I mean, they found stuff with my beer that was probably legit. I'll take it. It's feedback. Yeah, classic, classic Timbers Army. <laughs> <laughs> so focused on the end goal, <laughs> they can't get. Well, out what's of... here's what I don't get, and this, this is why I thought my beer was perfect for what they were doing. Is that they say right in their entry form, will be judged by, what is it, uh, BJH or BHJ sanction, blah, 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 right? Right. And then they come back and say, it won't necessarily be judged by that. It'll be by how well it fits the categories. Yeah. I'm like, well, which is it? And they judged it by actual BHJ rules. So. Oh, did they really? Oh, yeah. The um, state so fair. Like, okay, you guys are jacked. The state fair uh, is doing the uh, base standard rules, but they have cicerones. So all the cicerones are judging on the third. Which I would love that. I mean, then you know you're getting somebody that knows what they're talking about beer wise. Right. Right. Well, not to say that these two guys didn't, but 
Right. They just didn't check any boxes, so. I'm yeah, not, I mean, the one guy that said he so tasted diacetyl. Yeah, and there was, there's <laughs> definitely no, all the listeners out there know that I'm very diacetyl sensitive, so if I didn't detect it in my own beer, it's probably not there. I, I think he, I think what happened is is he mistook diacetyl for um, the other one, and I'm drawing a blank on the name of it. It's it's similar to that, but it's the green apple taste, mm. um, which both detected. So it had to have been there if two judges are detecting it. Right. And I smelled it in the fermenter when I was cleaning out the second batch. So it was it had to have definitely been there. Huh. Interesting. Well, there you go. You enter a homebrew competition, you're going to get some uh, get some feedback, whether you like it or not. No, so, exactly. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. You just got to be open minded. Take it and run with it. And I, I'm if I don't win, I'm going to go rage mode. <laughs> you're not going to rage monster it, are you? I'm going to rage monster. I'm going to like go <laughs> and on the table where all the beers are sitting, I'm going to do the uh, tablecloth <laughs> removal technique. But rage mode it. <laughs> no, I'm not. You gotta get you gotta get feedback, but and I'm sure they're gonna be objective. Well, you entered it in the uh, what the barrel aged category? Wood beer category? Wood beer. Yeah, wood beer. Your, Sub- your beer's got wood. Subcategory imperial <laughs> stout. So yeah, it's got big wood. That's a stiff beer. Yeah, it's got a nine. No, it's eleven percent wood. <laughs> oh my God. So yeah, it's gonna be good. Sean, I hope you like that bad boy. So it's, that's a gold medal, blue ribbon right there. Hey, if uh, Sean doesn't show up next week to Wednesday Night Soccer, yeah. we, we know why. Well, yeah. He's still sleeping off the hangover. He, no. From the beer. One beer. He was intimidated from the wood. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. So he'll like it. i got confidence. We'll be good. Might have a little too much licorice in it. Still hasn't faded too much. Still hasn't? No. <laughs> I'm aging it for two years then. Yeah. <laughs> There's still a lot of licorice. <laughs> I, I was hoping them on that batch, and I'm going to really focus on it this year's batch, to bring the molasses out a little bit more and yeah. have the almost a reverse. The black licorice takes kind of a behind the scenes, and the molasses kind of takes front and center. But Well, one thing I'm finding with uh, the adjuncts that we're adding to our beers, yeah, it doesn't take much. Nope. doesn't take much at all. Hey, how the uh, how's the uh, lactic going on the grain? I don't know that it is. Yeah, um, I'm thinking the the crack. I think you had to crack I it. I think I had to crack it. <laughs> but yeah, funny thing is, is I've watched a few videos on on like sour mashes like that. Yeah, and they just throw a handful of grain in there. They don't even crack it. They just throw a handful of grain in. Mm. So I'm like, we'll see. It, it's not smelling sour to me. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't dip my finger in and taste it. Oh, I'm not going to. The uh, it'd probably kill me with my luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're brewing a uh, beer for, or we're not brewing it. We're just doing the sour. Yeah, mash we're just side doing the it. sour mash part for uh, for a farmhouse ale that Andrew's gonna do. So he's got an IPA base, and then he's gonna do. He's gonna sour it essentially. So yeah. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes. That'll be interesting because there's no time to get this thing up and running. Especially no, and I haven't heard anything from him. He's, I'm so telling you. So I have you. no idea when he's wanting to, to actually brew it. 
Yeah, I mean, it was supposed to be today, is what I was told. Well... That didn't happen. Well, he didn't get a hold of me. Maybe he was assuming... I would call him tomorrow and say, hey, dude, we got to get this going. Yeah, because it'll be four days at that point that the uh, mash is soured. Yep. Well, that'll... Uh, and then the party's the 17th? 16th. They got moved yeah. up. Yeah, you got... Ba- no, there's no time, dude. <laughs> like this. No, little- there's no time at all. <laughs> so there's no way in hell that's happening. Yeah, I mean to get that carbonated in a week, that's not going to happen. Well, the only way to do it is put it in a keg. But even then, a, a keg you'd, you've got to pressurize. I it. mean, you got to have a two and a half gallon keg. But even then, you've, like it takes a while for the beer to take on the CO two. Like all you all you do if you just do that, you're just pushing it out with CO two. Well, sure, but there's. There's tricks you can use with that to force carbonate, like, in just a couple of days. Yeah, it hasn't worked for me. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if they work that great, but I've read a couple of things. I get a lot of foam when I try that shit, so it's worth just letting it do its thing slow. Well, it could be that you leave it at the same pressure versus dialing it back. I think you were telling me about that earlier. Well, that's, but not when I'm playing with tricks to try to get more carbonation in a short period of time. Right. Because what do, you're doing. Do that, lower the temperature, and rock it. I'm telling you, I did it, and it didn't work because it gives you a lot of gas. Because it just, it takes time to bring on the gas. Well, so, it has to absorb it. Yeah, I mean, that's all I've been doing for the last two years is kegging the beer. <laughs> so, and I've kegged short and, and tried to drink short, and it just, it's better just to let it sit and do its thing. So, I haven't kicked yet. It's going to be a lot less waste. And when you only have two and a half gallons to play with, you can't afford to lose any beer. Oh, hell no. no. <laughs> so, well, so a month ago, a little longer than that, we wow. have visited Tiny Wolf Brewing. Yep. Uh, a gentleman by the name of David Bogle and David's dad. Uh, we're at the brewery. Um, I think our buddy Andy took us over there. Yeah, that was Andy that suggested that after a uh, long day of drinking. So this place is on 99W uh, off of uh, that specific highway for you noobs. Uh, <laughs> for you noobs. It's uh, 18435 uh, Pacific Highway, Suite B on Tualatin. It's actually between Tualatin and King City. Um, and right it's a funky turnoff to get to it. It's not... Where you'd think it would be. Yeah, it's kind of a little place, but uh, it's cool, and it's, uh, uh, what do they got, video game machine in there they hand-built themselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All sorts of good stuff, but um, so we did this thing where we sat and had some beers. It's a sour beer place. You guys know us. We're not big sour beer guys. Um, They always have one, like, highly known IPA there, so that that day they had Pallet Jack on. And, um, but we got a flight of sour beers and it was actually pretty good, man. We had peach beers and blueberry lemonade beers, all sorts of beers. Um, but David sat down with us and, uh, at first I think was a little bit reluctant to sit down with us and most cru- people are, yeah. And then crunched out an interview. So we'll play that interview. Uh, we will refill our glasses and we will regroup after the interview. By the way, what are you drinking? I'm not drinking anything right now. It's all gone. What were you? <laughs> um, I believe I was drinking Pelican's... Um, Catch. 
Is that what that was? Yeah, it was the Catch Kolsch. Nice, the Catch Kolsch. Yeah, we saw that. I wonder if we actually saw this box being canned. We could have. Yeah. So, yeah, we from the Pelican interview, I wonder if it took that long, two months, to get to where we bought it. Uh, doubtful. <laughs> Those guys are cranking beers out. Yeah, but it's not on their side. It would be on the Whole Foods side. Well, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Yeah. Well, great beer. Yeah, it is great beer. Nice and light. Perfectly what we needed for this 90-degree day. So, All right. David Bogle, Tiny Wolf Brewing, out of Tualatin. Here you go. All right, it's Jason from the Tim Beers. So uh, I am here at Tiny Wolf Brewing, and so we are with the brewer. We actually did introduce ourselves. So I'm David. I'll David. So David uh, is the, as we're told, Boy genius is what your dad, I believe, told us here. He is fond of exaggerations. (laughs) So, um, fantastic thing. Like, Andy here, we're with Andy touring around today doing some uh, beer tasting. Uh, And he said, you guys got to check out Tiny Wolf. I really want to check out this place. I'd never heard of you. I live in Tigard. He lives up by uh, Big Owls there, kind of Beaverton Tigard border. And we've never heard of you guys, but this is... Beautiful. You've got a beautiful thing going here. Tell us about how you started, foundation of the brewery, kind of your vision. Well, I started out as a home brewer. Uh, for one of my birthdays, a friend got me a home brewing kit, and I was like, cool, I'll make some beer. That sounds like fun. I like beer. And from that, it kind of took off, and I kept getting bigger and bigger, and everybody would show up with a glass asking for free beer, and it just kind of grew organically to the point where I had a one-barrel system in the garage at home, and it was getting a little too big for its britches. So we decided, we kind of did the math and thought, okay, I think we can make this work and kind of expand a little bit. Uh, about that time, I started getting into sours. Um, and so I said, okay, that's, you know, I'd really like to focus on the sour beer stuff. So at that point, when we moved into this space here, uh, I basically just started filling barrels and waiting. Huh, interesting. So your dad was talking about a little bit about like, He's like, hey, let's push a beer out, let's push a beer out. And you're very like, nope, the beer will tell us when it's ready to go out. Talk to us, talk to us a little bit about the philosophy of that. How do you know when a beer is ready to go out? Well, that is kind of a funny question because you really, it, it's so hard to decide, to say when it's ready. It just Sometimes I'll go through and I'll pull nails and get little samples of barrels. And then eventually I'll just have one and, and think, wow, that's perfect. Or that needs fruit or that needs hops. It's just kind of a culinary uh, That's the approach. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, you don't. When I cook and I, I add salt to taste. So, very much so. When I get to a barrel, I add or don't add whatever I feel that it needs. Um, and there's not really any set timetable. I've had beers that I thought would be ready in six months take a year, and I've had right. beers that should have taken a year could be ready in six months. So, it's kind of just a fun experiment and just kind of have to go with it. So I mentioned we are, uh, Gary and I both live in Tigard area. Um, you guys are located where? How, how can people find you? Well, we're on Google. If you Google for Tiny Wolf Brewing, okay. I have a website with directions. Uh, we're in a small uh, strip mall type building right off of Highway 99 uh, with very limited signage. So good luck. Yeah, so uh, I think the idea is there's a little Mexican place a lot of people know about here on 99W, just past King City. Um, 
and you guys are just past that and sitting in a little strip mall. I think there's a used car dealership yes. right next door. Um, you would never assume that there's a brewery here, but trust me, look, this place is fantastic. So what's your vision of success? So you've got a, I believe, a two-barrel system in the back there yes. that you're brewing on. So you've got about 50-something barrels that I heard. Uh, you have something funky growing inside of them yeah. doing their thing, right? So uh, what, do you, what do you view as success as it relates to Tiny Wolf Brewing? Well, I'd love to uh, get to kind of the wolves and people model with a farm, farmhouse brewery, maybe up to a 10-barrel system. Uh, growing fruit to contribute to the beer, growing other ingredients to contribute to the beer, and really express Oregon, the terroir, and everything that we have going on, and all these great resources. Um, and I also just like to garden, so. <laughs> so, yeah. so uh, it's, yeah, it's funny you brought about uh, Wolves and People. We did a profile. We were up at Long Brewing above Wolves and People in Newburgh there. And he's like, you got to go check out Wolves and People. And so we schlepped down, didn't know anything about Wolves and People. Gary and I admittedly are not big sour beer guys. So we are very pretty straightforward German-style beers. Um, But what's interesting is we keep getting pointed towards sour beers. And there's this huge thing that's kind of happening in Oregon um, with sour beers. Uh, Last couple of years, last brew fests, we've been actually sitting with Art Lawrence from Cascade. And, of course, they're infamous for what they've done with sour beer. Um, but we keep coming back to sour beers. Is there a point where you would collaborate with, like, Wolves and People? Is there something – are you looking at doing collaboration with somebody? Uh, I've, I've talked to Alex Ganoom at Upright Brewing. Yeah. About doing a collaboration. We both really like some of the kind of more historical, esoteric styles that I feel like are under underserved. And so we kind of – just want to do something just that we want to drink. Um, I've been approached by some other brewers kind of uh, casually talking about collaborations, but we don't really have anything in the works yet. I'd be open to it. Uh, if somebody was listening and wanted to come make a beer, and I'm, I'm always willing to chat. So, so uh, talk to me a little bit about, are you guys going to the Sherwood Wine Festival at all? Are you planning on being there? Do you know about it? I do not. What? you got to go to Sherwood Wine Festival. So coming up, I believe, at the end of this month is the Sherwood Wine Festival. Um, there'll be a crap load of people in downtown Sherwood, and you got to find a way to get in. So people will be roaming around. This beer style absolutely fits perfect with that. Um, Smockville is going to be center stage in it because the thing's happening right around Smockville. So but you've got to find a way to get in. Um, I think that would help your name totally. Um, but with that, talk to me a little bit about, uh, have you thought about what you're going to do with the upcoming Zwickel Mania? How do you build, build momentum around this brewery here? We've, we've had really good success, just uh, word of mouth. Uh, people come in and they bring their friends and those, those friends bring friends and it's worked really well for us. We're, you know, uh, it's the first time I've ever run a brewery, so we didn't want to, you know, jump into the deep end right away. So we kind of wanted to ease into it. But I'm thinking with the nicer weather and the uh, upcoming summer, we're going to get some more advertising out there and hope to drive a couple more customers through the tasting room. Uh, we're going to be at the Creek Fest at the end of the month uh, awesome. at Von Ebert. Uh, so just kind of organically, uh, I don't have a marketing person. I, I do. I'm the owner, brewer, dishwasher. So Plumber. Yes. Yeah. So... so <laughs> Marketing is low on my list of priorities. It's on there, but it's a really long list. So we're kind of just 
going with it and seeing where it takes us and you know making sure we can't screw up so bad that we go out of business in a weekend. So. Well, Dad's pretty good at marketing, I'll tell you that. He's selling the beer, schlepping the beers, knows the story of the beer. He's awesome. Yeah, he's doing awesome. So I love that this is a family-run place. I love this space. The space is exactly what I would picture if we opened a brewery. Um, again, it's because it's about the beer and it's about the story of the beer. Um, so well done. And I think a, a totally cool thing for Tualatin and kind of King City-esque of what it is so so quick question for you I mean we deal with a lot of the, the small like the hometown brewers um, that they get into brewing similar to how you did but they stick with the, the easier styles how did you decide that a sour was the way you wanted to go and kind of explain I mean the way you've done it it you've made it look easy and, and being a home brewer myself, I know that, that that's, it's not the case. Sours are not easy. They're very time-consuming. Kind of describe your process of how you went through that and how sours was, was kind of your focal point. Well, I, uh, the first time I really had a great experience with sours was uh, we walked into Upright Brewing, uh, and they were releasing a beer called Blend Love, which was a, a cherry raspberry sour. It's really the first sour beer that I'd had really um, and it just blew me away with the complexity and the depth of it and I just thought wow this is I didn't know beer could be like this and I was admittedly a little tired of making the same IPA <laughs> or the same brown ale every time I know some guys are really big on the process uh, that's not my favorite thing uh, in the world I, I like designing the beers I like creating the beers uh, brewing them is not my favorite part uh, it's great, don't get me wrong, but so I wanted something that was a little more challenging from a design standpoint because you can throw, you, you can vary the hops in an IPA as many times as you want, and it's still very similar in my opinion. So I just kind of wanted to do something different. Uh, started reading and discovering wild yeasts and bacterias and this kind of hidden world of beer that that we'd kind of forgotten. Uh, it also seemed like the trend was going that way. Uh, we definitely in Oregon especially, are ahead of the, the rest of the country trend-wise, I think. Right. So we're kind of a canary in the coal mine, and to kind of see it going that direction, there was a lot of interest in that kind of style, and it, it was just more fun for me. And, and the thing that I think is interesting is, is a, from a small homebrewer-type standpoint, whenever you throw wild yeast into the equation, people get scared. They freak <clears> out. Because they think this is going to contaminate my equipment. This is right. going to make shit just blow up, and I, I'll never be able to control what I need to do going forward. So it's really interesting that you've you've gone that route. Do you find that to be the case that you lose control, or do you find that you have what they call uh, finite control over? what that yeast is going to do and, and where it spreads to. I, I do like finite control. That's a very good way to put it. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a yeast regular. I make work. The yeast makes the beer. Uh, but no, I'm not. If your sanitation practices are good, there's, there's nothing to be afraid of in the wild yeasts. I'm honestly more scared of the STA1 positive yeasts. Some of those Belgian yeasts will uh, just could blow up bottles and all kinds of <laughs> right. legitimately scary things. Uh, I, You know, as long as you're... You make sure everything's clean and make sure everything's sanitized. I've had no problems. 
that's awesome to hear, especially from the homebrewer standpoint, because those those guys, me being one of those included, gets very, very afraid when he hears wild yeast or, or wild fermentations go on. Um, and it's, it's good to hear that there is some control in that. Good. Well, uh, we have a guy that we talk about all the time whose uh, uh, name is Andy. And I think Andy's got a couple questions for you, too. So Andy's, Andy's actually interesting, his story. Andy comes from a distributor side. Um, and so his focus is on make, necessarily making beer, but it's the what sells and kind of the business of beer. So I thought I'd turn the mic over to Andy and maybe ask a couple questions from that side. Hey there. So I guess my first question, looking at all of the different beers and hearing from your dad, like just first and foremost, this peach sour is freaking amazing, man. This thing is so, so good. And hearing the story, like I'd love to hear you talk about how long it was sitting in barrels and, and just kind of the overall vision versus some of the other beers that, you know, maybe sat a little bit more or, or a little less in the barrels, just, just to kind of hear your, your story behind it. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting as I've come to get more barrels and, and brew more beer through oak, uh, every barrel kind of expresses itself differently. Uh, they allow different amounts of oxygen in, uh, they allow different microbes to take hold. So you, you can brew the exact same beer in the exact same circumstances and in different barrels, it, it's different every time. So this beer was one that I almost gave up on just because it seemed like it had stalled out and just it, it didn't feel like it was quite ready and I wasn't happy with it, but it wasn't doing anything. So uh, my go-to move is to forget that I own the barrel and put it in a corner <laughs> and lose it. So that's what I ended up doing. and. Uh, about six months later I came back and it had picked up these really interesting stone fruit notes whereas it had been kind of just flat not I mean it wasn't bad but it didn't blow my hair back so we happened to be right in peach season so uh, went out and picked 60 pounds of peaches and processed them by hand and stuffed them in the barrel and a couple more months after that that we I tasted the beer again and it had kind of dried out a bit it wasn't so in your face with the fruit. Uh, I, it had enough complexity and dimension that I was really happy with it. So that's how it finally made it out of the barrel. It's it's delicious. It's like, fantastic. It's fantastic. Yeah, I think we bought two yeah. bottles of it, yeah. right? So, so far at least. Yeah, at least. And then I guess my my other question, a lot of the stuff that I deal with at least work is, is telling the story of the brewery to uh, different chains, different groups that want to buy the beer. What's, what's the story behind Tiny Wolf? Uh, you know, it's, it's really as simple as I'm a home brewer who didn't know when to quit. Uh, I just, I, I really like to experiment. I like to keep going bigger and, and doing different things. And, uh, it's, it's been, it's been a, it's really been a family, uh, venture. Uh, my mom will come help process fruit. My brother will come help pick fruit. Uh, you know, I can always get free labor. So that's been nice. Uh, it's just. It's something I'm really passionate about, something I really love doing, and it just kind of has grown to this point, and we're just going to ride it out and see where it goes, I guess. Well, as Jason was saying, this place is, the space itself is just really, really cool, really laid back. It looks like you can bring miners in here, and everybody yeah. seems welcome. It's just, you, you might not think it's here, but this place is, when, when you find it, it's awesome. This place is great. We like to think of ourselves as a hidden gem. 
Yeah, Jason here again. Um, and so I played the arcade machine, the custom-built arcade <laughs> machine. I got my ass whipped by Venom, by the way, so that means I didn't make it off a of level one. <laughs> so I made it past the point where Venom, like, turns to ten times the size he normally should be, but whatever. So but I guess you and your dad made that? That was a family project? Yeah, I was about 15. Yeah. <laughs> looking for something to do. I was really into tech, and so it's just kind of a emulator of an arcade machine. It sounded like fun. We, so we took our very limited woodworking skills and put together an arcade machine and finally found a home here so, but, awesome. so people can come enjoy it. We're really going for kind of a clubhouse. I, I really like a lot of you know, some of the tasting rooms around town, but I also feel like a lot of them are dungeons. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I wanted something that was a little bit brighter that wasn't going to be so dungeony, I guess. It just would, would be more fun. Yeah, and, and you got that with the paint job, and I guess it's just to be a flooring store part of it, right? So there's multi-floors here. It's actually a cool vibe. It's got kind of a lot of stuff going on, the embossed, like, kegs and scales type thing going on the wall. So... Um, let's talk a little bit about from the technical side. Talk, tell me a little bit about your brew system. Who developed your brew system? Um, where was it manufactured? That type of thing. It's a two-barrel system. I think we covered. Um, I believe it's electric fired. It is electric. Uh, it was made by Stout Tanks uh, locally here. The I bought the tanks from them and then plumbed it myself because the the style of beer and some of the mashes that I do are a little bit wacky. Uh, considering uh, traditional uh, systems. So it's, it's kind of a Frankenstein setup so that I can uh, do these long-term mashes when I need to. Uh, and otherwise, it's, you know, a, it's a lot of pieces from my one-barrel system uh, c- just kind of brought together with, uh, t- to be able to fill an entire wine barrel at one time uh, so that we can, you know get enough beer out. And so we are big proponents. Actually, my system is built from stout tanks and kettles. <clears throat> Unlike you, I built mine from the dent and ding pile that they've got, but still works just fine. I'm, I'm still working on gas, which I hear that you worked on propane for many years, and it was quite hot in that room. It was very uncomfortable, <laughs> uh, and it was problems with scorching the, the bottom of the work, we right. heating up all that water, and it was, yeah, gas was not not very fun to work with. Yeah, one barrel and scorching, I'm thinking, is a thing. When I'm brewing at, what, nine gallons? Yeah. We're not, we're not that yeah. bad of a deal. So, um, interesting stuff. So, keep it local. It seems to be the theme. Definitely. Local ingredients type of thing. So, uh, we got to see about getting Jan Zwickel. So, I think there's something to be said. It was sad that Two Kilt shut down, right, all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah, sure. But we talked about at the last, last two Zwickel events that with the tour... There doesn't seem to be a good West Side representation. Um, this is a prime opportunity for you guys to draw people in to the Zwickle side, have them see Tiny Wolf, have them see what your brewery's about, and kind of build on kind of what's already going here. So, um, we'll I definitely be, will look into that. We will be back for sure because that's going to be fantastic. So, you got a good thing going. I appreciate your hospitality. You guys got to come check out this beer selection. It's fantastic. Is there something that we haven't tried that you have on Bright Tank? Or uh, no, actually, right now I'm getting everything clean. So everything clean. Everything's empty right now. <laughs> so, and I heard a rumor of a Highway 99 type pail. Is that something? That, that was an old beer. Okay. I, I don't know if we'll see that one again. I do have an IPA. <laughs> I, I do have an IPA coming. It's, okay. Uh, well, so we were just talking. We were laughing because we see Pallet Jack up there. So, what was the inspiration behind pulling Pallet Jack up? 
Uh, we, I had a guest IPA on early. Uh, I only had seven beers to put on, and I wanted to drink an IPA as my shifty, and so we put on an IPA, and uh, I still don't have an IPA, and so I, we just put. I went to bought a keg, and that's what they had. So. Either Pallet or Pliny, so you'd was, pick. But we're going to pick two of the gold standards there. So right, Can't go and wrong. you pull Pallet, right? Absolutely. So great. I appreciate your time. Again, wonderful place here. Um, I guess. East, or no, I guess south of Tigard, well, no, west of Tigard, um, 99W, I'm thinking of the sun there. So past King City, towards Sherwood, between Sherwood, Twalt, and Tigard, King City. Um, great place, so take care. Thank you. Well, there you go, David Bogle, owner of Tiny Wolf Brewing. Woo. Yeah, I mean, all sorts of good stuff there. I didn't remember that we had Andy uh, ask questions until he popped up there. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fantastic. And, uh, I mean, just all sorts of good stuff there. So, any takeaways from that? Yeah, the big thing is is um, sour doesn't have to be as scary as, as people put out there. Yeah, we bought, what, three bottles a piece, I think, of some sort of sours and brought them home and... I would say they were gone within 48 to 72 hours. I still have one in my fridge. Oh, do you really? Yeah. I, just, I was looking through beer bottles that were in there, and I was like, oh, crap, I still have a sour in there. What's interesting about the peach is it changed it did. over the next several days, and he said that. Yep. He warned us. Yeah. So. Yeah, he said this will change. It was big and bold coming out of the bright tank, and then uh, that peach kind of died off in the bottle there. So. I think I've got either the blueberry or the blackberry. Dude, that blueberry lemon was, like, ridiculous. So that was a sour I'm going to punch in the face. Yes. But, yeah, interesting stuff. So, uh, again, if you get a chance, check out Tiny Wolf Brewing there in Tualatin. Again, on your way out of King City heading towards Tualatin, you'll see it on the right-hand side. And if you've hit the pick-and-pole junkyard, you know you've gone too far. Exactly. So... Let's see. It's Oregon Beer Month. Um, Brewfest is Wednesday. We are dialed in. Uh, we're hooked up with press passes, dude. <laughs> we're part of the press. We're big time. We're big time. <laughs> Whatever. That just means we got to walk around with this big square heavy thing on our neck. No. I think we get free tokens. Ooh. No, I don't know. That's what we need is more free tokens. No, not really. Then I come back and get stupid and play <laughs> soccer and so, light up the goals. Yeah, speaking of which, I'm not I'm not guaranteeing I'm gonna be at soccer. That you know, you leave the next is it the next day? No. No, two days. The the next next day for Europe. So yeah, I couldn't blame it. Yeah, I'm probably not gonna play. Yeah. So I might I'll go and have a pop or something. <laughs> like I probably you, won't. Like you need more pop. <laughs> Yeah, I probably won't. Let's be honest. <laughs> Let's call it like it is, kids. Yeah. I mean, there's no guarantees Tim's going to make it on the train. That's Let alone a, we're going to make it back for soccer. That's a really good point. <laughs> so, Very good point. Uh, all right. Well, you uh, in the downtime here, we've been off for about a month. You hit, hit the road for uh, Wyoming. Uh, yeah. And did your thing. Tell us about the trip. Well, uh, before I went to Wyoming, um, we did the 4th of July. Oh, I forgot. Soccer tournament. Yeah, Summer Lake Cup, dude. Yeah, and I lost. Um, oh, well. Jason's team won. 
But it's the lowest scoring Summer Lake Soccer Cup we've had. It was. So that's kind of impressive. Very low score. Um, um, two goal differential. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just like the past. No, no. Just no. like the past, the past it's usually been three, except for last year. No, last year was the blowout. Correct. Everything else has been two goals. I always thought it was three. No, it's two. Huh. Everything's so two. we went back to the two goal differential. Yeah. That's where <laughs> I was like, dude, this is just like normal. Last year was just an outlier. Yeah, except this one's kind of an outlier too, though, because it wasn't as high scoring as a lot of the other ones. Yeah, this um, was low score. The other thing is... You and I were playing keeper, dude. We were opposing keepers. Yeah, that happened last year, I think, too. I was Steve Clark. You were Stephen Stephen Fry. <laughs> no, I was a way crappier goalie than that. <laughs> no, we we were like because I think it was like one one tied at the half. Yeah, and, it was ridiculous. And I think it ended up like five to seven. Or yeah, I let a lot of goals in. Yeah, yeah, man. I couldn't see half of them, but I digress. So, we did the 4th of July soccer tournament. Uh, then we did a low-key fireworks. Well, first we did a little barbecue. Had a bunch of the soccer and folks And had a over. bunch of the soccer group over, which was kind of fun. Uh, then headed over to Summer Lake Park. Did a low-key uh, fireworks display. Thank you, City of, of Tigard, for turning yeah, on the sprinklers. That was nice of you. Yeah. Shut it all down. 9.45, everybody went home. Totally shut it down. Uh, smart move on their part, though. No fire hazard. <laughs> uh, and then you and I uh, separate went our separate ways, and I went home and packed to go to Sun River on Debbie and your gracious invitation to come over there and do some paddle boarding. So we headed over there, uh, paddle boarded the river. Deschutes River. Yeah, did the Deschutes. That was a great time. Harper's Bridge, down to the marina. And then that night, took a nice little rest. The next morning, we got up and we went to, which lake was it? Elk Lake. Elk Lake. I could never, I was trying to tell people back in Wyoming which lake it was, and they're like, was it Devil's Lake? I'm like, nope. Uh, Elk it was, Lake. It was a different one. So Elk Lake, people. Elk Lake is where we went. Absolutely gorgeous. Huge lake. Bunch of party barges. Huge mountains overlooking the lake. It's a gorgeous place. If you haven't been, go. And if you're a paddleboarder, it's definitely worth the experience. Yep. Um, and then I got up the next morning and packed my bags and headed to Wyoming. Um, and in Wyoming, it happened to be Rodeo Weekend. Rodeo. So, the beauty of Rodeo Weekend is most of your graduating classmates are back. Yahoo! Everybody you know is back. And one of the guys that I knew from high school, a guy named Brett Layer, does a huge barbecue every year that I finally got my lifetime invite to, Oh, which is awesome. So, anytime I'm back during Rodeo Weekend, Brett says, yeah, go ahead, come back. It's great. Bonus. But at that barbecue, Brett played football with a guy named Jason Ford. Oh. Jason Ford happens to now be the head brewer and owner of Broken Compass, Broken Compass Brewing out of Breckenridge. 
those guys hook up every year and throw a big barbecue the Friday after the parade on Rodeo Weekend. <laughs> and Jason Ford brings up a couple of his beers uh, for everybody to have. And they just drink and eat and have have fun. So I got the the pleasure to actually do an interview with Jason Ford while I was at that barbecue. So I'll preface this with it was a short interview because I didn't want to take up his time. He was at an at at a barbecue having fun, uh, but it was great. the The guy literally would have talked to me for days on beer. He loves beer that much. Uh, awesome guy. Uh, but yeah, Jason Ford from uh, Broken Compass out of Breckenridge. Bonus. Well, we'll play the interview here and we'll regroup. But yeah, let's talk, man. I'll, okay. I'll talk beer all day. All right, this is Gary with Tim Beers, and I'm out in Sheridan, Oregon, and I'm actually with the owner. Sheridan, Wyoming. Yes, Sheridan, Wyoming. Yep. With Broken Compass Brewing Company, who's out of Breckenridge. Yes. But we have an inn. Because he's really, really good friends with Brett Lair, who yes. happens to be one of my high school friends. So, introduce yourself, and then we'll kind of get into the nitty-gritty sure, of what's going on. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, Brett and I played football together, same class, shared in Wyoming, hometown, the whole deal. And uh, it's kind of fun, is it every year? Has a nice little party for everybody. And uh, during rodeo, and here we are having fun. And every year, I love bringing the tent, the beers, and just hanging out with friends and, and reminiscing and having a good time. You know? And what I'd love to bring up here is something you just brought up, which a lot of, of the craft brewers have got, especially the, the, the really successful ones, having their genetic makeup, is it's about the experience, not all about the beer, but it's about the experience. And well, the beer is kind of a cap. Absolutely. And it's one of those things like, you know, if you make great beer and have a good time, it's more than just about the beer. It's about the lifestyle. One of my favorite things about this industry, so I'll backtrack a little bit. I'm a chemical engineer by trade. And so research and development my whole career. Had a lot of fun, but there was a lot of sign this NDA, you can't say that. And this industry is the exact opposite. Right? It's like, let's have some fun. Let's make great beer and do great things and it's so helpful and awesome and so every year i come here i bring some beer we're all hanging out and having a good time you know just that's what beer's about and what it should be about is let's just get together and have a great time and that's one of the best things about this entire industry absolutely and and you brought two beers out today yes one i noticed was a pilsner yes and i've been all over that thing today. right on all over it. Super fun. And then the other one's a Hefeweizen. Yes. So kind of walk me through what the choice was to bring those two beers for, for this direct Of course, occasion. absolutely. So it's summertime. It's Sheridan. We talked about it earlier today that there's rodeo hot, right? It's 90, 100 oh degrees. Let's bring some stuff that's super drinkable, right? Pilsner, obviously, straight up. You got your lager. Everybody loves it. Oh, yeah. Just a straight up beer. Hefeweizen, I like for the summertime. It's a standard German beer. A lot of fun. A little banana, a little clove, but same yeah. thing. Super fun for the summer. Easy drinker, and let's have some fun with it. When it's super hot out, let's drink some beer and have a good time. So what's the name of the of the two beers that you actually brought up? We don't have names. <gasps> no names. But, but let's talk about that. Yeah, so let's talk about when that. When we started the industry, um, man, so many names are taken. Local, non-local, 
naming beers. There's so many trademark issues, oh, yeah. all that type of stuff. One of the things that actually helped us is we got a, a cease and desist from Dogfish Head. Oh yeah. Right, because we have an India brown. Well, they have an Indian brown. Okay. And so we got a, uh, an email from Sam. He's like, sorry guys. Can't and he's it. a nice guy. Great guy. But here's the deal. You have to protect your trademark. Oh, absolutely. Every instance or you lose the entire trademark. Because he's so, got one he's dealing with for, through Budweiser. Now. Absolutely. Like, he, he's, he's got issues. We don't oh, have yeah. issues, right? <laughs> we don't necessarily distribute. We're lucky enough. We're in Breckenridge. Five million plus people a year. Yep. And we're super busy. So we don't have to trademark. We don't have to name. We don't have to worry about that stuff because we're busy enough. But if you have a trademark and you lose just one case out of hundreds, You're you done. lose the entire trademark. You're done. So we're like, sure, I've got no cans, I've got no bottles, no labeling. We'll just cha we'll change the name and not a problem. So do you guys, so that brings up a really good point then. So is it just, is it a tap room you guys are just doing self-distribution? I can't even say self-distribution. You're just running it straight out of the but tap. But you can then. say self-distribution. Are you guys in, doing it in, in Colorado. Okay. Colorado. Oregon's got that as well. Yeah, no, Colorado's one of the easiest places to have a brewery. So we have our beers and self-distribution is absolutely allowed. Okay. Like when I have kegs downtown in Breckenridge, I just run them around. Nice. In the back of my truck, I drop them off. Not a problem. Um, and one of those things is like when you don't distribute, you don't go to different states, which is the big thing. You're just in Colorado. Self-distribution is not a problem. It's pretty easy. That's awesome. Yep. So one of the things Jason and I always get into on, on these podcasts, especially talking with craft brewers, is how big is too big to stay relevant in your market? And are you one of those brewers that's looking to go all over or do you just want to stay local and, and that's where it's at? We're in a very unique market. Right, we're in Breckenridge, ski area, mm -hmm. and like I mentioned, there's five million plus people a year. So we're very lucky. We can do nothing but distribute downtown. You know, we have keg accounts around town, and love people to try our beer and then come out and see the brewery. But because there's so much business and so many people in our area, we don't have to distribute statewide to be successful. And that's one of the big differences and the niche that we found that it makes us be able to say, you know, we're so successful and don't have to worry about a lot of those things a lot of breweries have to worry about. Yeah, that's awesome. So I don't want to take up any more time today because sure. uh, obviously no we got some drinking to do. We do indeed, absolutely. But I'm here with Broken Company, or Broken Compass Brewing yes. Company at Breckenridge, Colorado. If you guys get down to Breckenridge, you've got to go here. I've absolutely. had the beer and it's fantastic. Guess what? Come get lost with us. We'll have a great time. Awesome. Thank Cheers, you. Cheers, man. So huge shout out to Broken Compass out of Breckenridge and Jason Ford, who on a side note is actually a huge Timbers fan, um, has actually been one since 2004, so big shout out. And and the other side to this is, is Jason Ford, if you have ever, you go on the website, take a look at the picture of this guy. He's the quintessential brewer. He's got the big beard. Looks just like a lot of the brewers that you see out here in Portland. No, awesome interview. Uh, we need to check that place out, or at least I do. So it sounds like we've got a ski trip we've got to go That's do. what I was just thinking. And Jason said, hey, come down and see us anytime you want. No, that's great. Cool deal, man. So what was the best beer you tried there? Yeah, all I was drinking was their Pilsner. And it, oh. it was phenomenal. Wow. 
But again, it was a 90 degree day. Um, so I didn't really want to gravitate towards the Hefeweizen. Everybody, there was a lot of people that had the Hefeweizen though and said it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, but I really, really enjoyed their Pilsner. Awesome. So with that, um, big thanks to those guys for, or at least Jason for doing the interview with you. So you're in the middle of a party and a guy approaches you and he's like, Hey, let's talk beer. I mean, that's, that's a tough one. And you guys nailed the interview. So that was well, and, and the beauty of it is, is, is he and I kind of kept talking even after the interview. And one of the things that we got into is when you look at today's home brewer versus the home brewer of, let's say, 10 years ago. Right. Um, a lot of those guys were home brewing to save money on beer and not have to pay as much for beers and they could brew what they want. Today's home brewer is no longer brewing to save money. It costs quite a bit of money to, to home brew at the higher levels. And most of the home brewers are brewing because they love the process. They, they love messing with it. They love finding new recipes. They love coming up with new beers. And I think we're really kind of starting to see that in the Portland markets with a big downturn in um, brew shop visits as far as supplies and stuff goes. Yeah, I mean, we've talked to several of the brew shops. I know our little local one here in Tigard is having a really hard time. I mean, we're talking four or five customers a day um, and just buying a few dollars at a time. Um, and so the question is, where is everybody going, or are people just not brewing like they used to? Um, and so I, I think there's a mix of that. I think you see Amazon and some of the online stuff with, like, Northern Brewer and some of oh, those absolutely, places. Absolutely. Your, your online mm-hmm. places are, I think they're still making an impact. For those of us that are brewing. That are Exactly. So the, the next piece is you get somebody like Andrew and John who we tried to introduce in. And how does a new guy go and buy stuff? They're not going to buy stuff off off online initially. Yeah, because they don't quite know what they're looking at. Right. So they're going to buy stuff locally. Locally, hopefully. Yeah, if there's um, a local shop. But you've got to be a relevant shop. And you've got to be a shop that doesn't annoy the hell out of people and is easy <laughs> to use and has very very organized inventory and doesn't make the process complicated um and and i think that's the piece and some do better than others um but we even heard that the one that's the pioneer in the portland area is having a hard time as well so um, brew shops are having a hard time and so we've got to find a way to get people to engage back into home brewing for the romance of brewing well, and I think what we're seeing on that side is what we're seeing in the big brewery side um, in craft brewing. And, and that all comes down to relevancy. you got to find a way to stay relevant and keep up with the times. And if you don't, you become extinct. Yep, totally. Well, and so we talked about this at the OBF a few years ago with Art. Um, about how to make the OBF relevant because numbers have been decreasing over the last four or five years. Right. And so one of the ideas that we discussed, and we actually should go back and play this interview, um, was that they've somehow got to compete with the growler shops. The guys, 
the places that we go and drink uh, on a weekly basis, I can have my own brew fest on a week basis. Why am I going to go drop a whole bunch of money to try the same beer that I've been having week after week down at OBF? Right. So really what they needed to focus on was one-off beers or things that were noteworthy that I could only try at the OBF. Yeah, like special releases or or whatever. OBF branded type beers. So OBF took it next level and this year not only did they drop the Sunday, which I care less about the Sunday thing. They're usually out of all the good beers by Sunday anyways. Right. Um, but what they did was made it first releases. So you haven't seen these beers and it's all Oregon breweries, period. So so um, we're not going to see the international tent. We're not going to see any of that again this year. You're not going to see any of that. And That's did, interesting. They didn't have international last year. It was two years ago. But last year it was still a mix. And it was right. still like hell or high water watermelon. And just some of that stuff where I'm like, dude, how many freaking years do we have that? <laughs> and so the argument is that they advertise or they bring out some of those beers for the college crowd, right? My argument is the college crowd is going to show up and drink regardless. Right. So, no matter what the beer is. So you've got to like get people like us out of our recliners where we're watching Stranger Things <laughs> and with a cold one in our hand to come down to the brew fest and try something new and interesting from an Oregon brewer. And they've right. done that, I feel. So the beer list was released, part of the press packet that we saw, and now it's online. <clears throat> it's a it's an interesting beer list. So there's a ton of different taps. Um, I believe the counts are there's 80 of these being first release products, 100% craft beers and ciders. There's a huge focus on ciders this year. 93 brewers, eight cider houses in 34 cities Holy in Oregon. Smokes. <laughs> so this big's this thing's big. A lot of juicy type stuff that we're seeing. So, like, uh, 13 Virtues has a Guavalicious Pale they're doing. Um, Ancestry's there doing an IPA Sabro Hop Experimental. So, there's a ton of IPA stuff going on. Uh, what else is uh, making some crazy stuff? There was There's a bunch of Goseis. I mean, a ton of Goseis on there. So, Boneyard has a Speedy Gosales. It's a German-style sour <laughs> ale pitched with lacto in a brew kettle and allowed to naturally sour for 24 hours. Once the desired uh, tartness was achieved, they added sea salt, lime zester, and coriander. The beer is then further fruited with lime puree and fresh zest in, a, in the conditioning. Interesting. So it sounds like it's going to be a kick-ass beer. Sounds like a margarita. Yeah, absolutely it does. Salty, lime, yeah. all of that. Uh, Mount Hood, uh, what is this? So Funhouse Brews, which I've never heard of, is doing a Mount Hood Snow Cone, a lightly kettle-soured ale with a blend of Belgian ab- Abbey yeasts, black, oh, and back-sweetened with Oregon Marionberry puree. So... Crazy stuff, man. You All know, I'm good starting stuff. to see a huge, huge surge in sours and goses. Yeah, right. Saison, gose. It's like kind of the next wave of, of what's going on in beer. There's a lot of stuff going on with that stuff. And, I mean, Cascade Barrel House is kind of in the middle of that arts arts company there. Right. Uh, there's a couple stouts. So Gateway Brewing is doing the Gateway Summer Stout. 
rich and malty meets light and easy, so it's Ooh, a sessionable a stout. Summer stout. Yeah. So, uh, let's see who else is kind of. Got something going on. Mad Cow Brewing has a River Cream Cream Ale, um, which should be interesting. Uh, Nation Brewery, which we've had this before, but they're doing Cease and Desist, which I believe they had last year. But this is uh, Oaked, so they're doing a Kahlua Oaked Cease and Desist. That should be pretty good. (laughs) I'm just going to throw that out there. Ninkasi's got the Whitaker Series 10 Pineapple and Peppercorn Saison. Ooh, spicy and sweet. Uh, for Tim, Oakshire's got the Smokin' Hell, which is a smoked <laughs> Hellas with spruce tips. Tim will be all over that. Oh, yeah. You know, he's going to be like, oh, this is the best beer. Best beer I've ever had. So what else do we got? A couple others will pull out of here. Uh, Pelican. What are you bringing? They're bringing a Hamasito lager. It's a hibiscus mojito. Huh. Yeah. I mean, something crazy. So there's this thing's just loaded full of, like, just crazy, crazy. One-off. One-off. Yep. Let's have a good time. Let's yeah. show people what we're about. I like it. Um, a couple brewed IPAs. So Ram is doing a Bubbleberry Brute IPA. I know you're impressed. <laughs> <laughs> So, Sandy M Brewing, our friends over there, they're doing the Captain Pitt, the Perry, the Cherry Pirate Snake Bite. It's a stout and cider blended. Interesting. Yeah, so uh, I'm looking forward. This is going to be a good thing we got going on on Wednesday. Where, of course, uh, we'll be in the Brewers Parade uh, doing the breakfast thing early in the morning and then tying this thing on. So, if you guys are out there and. Uh, you see us running around. Come um, say hi. Yeah, definitely. Come say hi. So we'll have a good time. We'll be the guys with the pretzel, pretzel necklaces, and uh, we'll have Tim with us. <laughs> Everybody knows Tim. And you'll know Tim. Yeah, absolutely. It's Tim. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, you got anything else? I got nothing. All right. Well, good to be uh, podding again. We'll have a boatload of interviews, I'm guessing, from the uh, Brewfest. Yes. Um, I'm in Europe for two weeks, so it'll probably take a couple weeks to get those up, and then Ooh. we'll get them up. Oh, I'm gonna get some. I'm gonna get some wicked interviews oh, in I'll Europe. Oh, bet. Yeah. So I bet you get some. I'm gonna good try. Ones. So we'll have to see how that goes. I don't speak very good German. Nine. Yeah, nine, ten, so, eleven, eleven, twelve, thirteen. <laughs> yeah, so I'll have to call Tim as my uh, landline uh, recruiter, so or uh, interpreter. Yes. Hey Tim, can you interpret for me? So, all right, man. Well, let's get out of here. Awesome interviews. Big huge thanks uh, to Broken Compass and to Tiny Wolf. Uh, great interviews, great beers. We appreciate your guys' time. Uh, OBF, we'll see you guys soon, Art and Chris Crab and the gang. So uh, we'll be out there, and we promise to behave at least halfway. Um, <laughs> and that's do. that other half is Tim <laughs> that we'll try to control. So, <laughs> so with that, uh, we're out of here. Tim Beers. Tim Beers.